Would you like to know how to make better decisions for your business, your people, or yourself? Do you want to recognize when you make errors of judgment that cause the quality of your decisions to drop, and when you are moving away from, not closer to, your goal? Welcome to Because There's More with Laura Ellis. For the next hour, Laura and her guests will share experiences and insights that will challenge and stretch your thinking, help you recognize your biases, and ultimately guide you towards more predictable and accurate decisions. You'll walk away from this show feeling better informed, more inspired, and a lot more confident about your next big decision. Now, here's your host, Laura Ellis. Hello, I'm Laura Ellis, and this is Because There's More, the show that takes a closer look at decision-making. Thank you for tuning in once again. I'm delighted to be here with you for another amazing show, and I'm extremely excited today to share my guest with you. In his own words, he tells stories, stories about art, stories about leadership, stories about people and about hope. Stories about sports, stories about Legos, snowflakes, and the Macy's Thanksgiving Parade. His name is John Jorgensen, and he tells stories in his book as an author, in his books, on stage as an actor, online as a blogger, and in rhyme as a YouTuber and spoken word poet with nearly 175,000 subscribers. John tells stories about everything in the hopes of pointing us towards the one thing that really matters. John, welcome to my show. Hi, Laura. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. And I'm very excited to have you. And uh, as you know, about uh, exactly a week ago, I didn't even know you existed (laughs) because our paths didn't cross. Um, But I was, from the very first moment I saw your work, I was extremely impressed. And one of the things that hit me immediately is that in spite of us being different in so many ways, and, you know, from the age to location to where we grew up and what we're doing, um, a lot of the things that, that we tell the people we address, our customers, our community, um, are so, so similar. So um, I I was very impressed by that. But I do want to share how I came across your work because that was very special and remains very special to me. I was having a very bad day last Monday and uh, I did decide to look uh, on YouTube for something more inspirational uh, for a pick-me-up. And I looked at several things that kind of sounded uh, repetitive and uh, I um, they didn't resonate and then I came across yours um, and it was the first one that really grabbed me and it was original it was very powerful I instantly loved it and I have to tell you John I've told all my friends about it so I oh, thank you sent it over to uh, to them I loved um, your passion your acting the staging of it but what was amazing to me um, and you know that I told you this offline I am born in the Christian faith but that's about it I grew up in communism I didn't go to church I don't know much about religion apart from the big names. Hi, Laura. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. 
And I'm very excited to have you. And uh, as you know, about uh, exactly a week ago, I didn't even know you existed <laughs> because our paths didn't cross. Um, but I was, from the very first moment I saw your work, I was extremely impressed. And one of the things that hit me immediately is that in spite of us being different in so many ways and you know from the age to location to where we grew up and what we're doing um, a lot of the things that that we tell the people we address our customers our community um, are so so similar so um, I, I was very impressed by that but I do want to share how I came across your work because that was very special and remains very special to me I was having a very bad day last Monday and uh, I did decide to look uh, on YouTube for something more inspirational uh, mm -hmm. for a pick-me-up and I looked at several things that kind of sounded uh, repetitive and uh, I um, they didn't resonate and then I came across yours um, and it was the first one that really grabbed me and it was original it was very powerful I instantly loved it and I have to tell you John I've told all my friends about it so I oh, thank you sent it over to uh, to them I loved um, your passion your acting the staging of it but what was amazing to me um, and you know that I told you this offline I am born in the Christian faith but that's about it I grew up in communism I didn't go to church I don't know much about religion apart from the big names. Although the content was religious, it had so much wisdom and so much depth that it didn't sound to me like something I don't relate to, on, on the contrary. So at the end of it, I was crying my eyes out. Mm -hmm. and. 30 minutes later, I was so inspired and so impressed with your material. I found your email and there you go. Here you are on my show yeah. today. Let me start with that one. It's, um, uh, it was called Who You Are, A Message to All Women. How did that video come about, John? Yeah, so first of all, I, I, I again want to thank you for, for having me on and thank you for all the work you do. It's, it's important. If there's one thing this world needs, it's better decision-making by people in all sectors. So, so thank you, Lara, for the work you do. Um, thank you. And just uh, in talking about that video, I guess it all has to start with a summer camp that I grew up going to uh, as a camper and eventually working at as a counselor. Um, this was a, if you can imagine, a mix of a summer camp with all the fun, crazy, and sometimes dangerous games, um, a theater camp with, you know, teaching acting and singing and dancing, and a Christian summer camp with a lot of, you know, worship and devotional times and lessons. And if you could take those three camps and combine them into one, that would be what this camp is. Um, it's a crazy, fun, life-changing week. Um, and that's sort of where I first discovered a relationship with God. But la And later on, I was asked back as a counselor. And as counselors, part of your job is to lead those games, part of your job is to teach theater, but also part of your job is to lead those devotional times and those worship services. And so I was asked, 
one night to create um, sort of the curriculum, if you will, for a night that was focused on what we call purity, purity night. Um, and in, in the past, it had really been a night for counselors to talk about abstinence and not having sex before marriage and things like that, um, which, you know, is for the church is a very important thing to talk about. Um, but I noticed when I was going to camp growing up, it was always so rooted in the physical, as in don't do this or don't do that or this is too far or that. And as a counselor, when I was asked to lead this thing, I thought to myself, you know what, I think this issue of, you know, purity goes a lot deeper than just what we do with our physical bodies. I actually think the reason that so many of us as young people, um, and I think this is true whether, you know, whether you're in the church or outside of the church, we make mistakes in relationships, you know, whether it be physical mistakes where, you know, we, we give ourselves to someone who isn't ready to fully commit to us uh, and someone's using us for our physical body, or it's we give our heart emotionally to them and then we end up heartbroken. Everyone has experienced that, especially sure. through their teenage years, you know. And so I thought, I think this issue goes a lot deeper than just the flesh. And I thought, well, what's the root of it then? And for me, it was... a a problem of mistaken identity that so many of us, men and women, especially at a young age, we don't realize how much we're worth, how much worth we have. And for me as a Christian, that worth comes from God and, and from Jesus and the fact that, you know, Jesus was willing to die for our sins. And I mean, what's worth more than that? It was, we are worth his, his life. You know, that's everything. Um, and so I thought, well, if if these students could understand what they looked like in God's eyes, who they were, then that could fundamentally change everything. Because if you walk around knowing that you matter, if you walk around knowing that you were created as beautiful, regardless of what everyone else's opinions of your physical appearance might be, if you walk around knowing that you, are, you have strength, and wisdom, and power, and kindness, and generosity, and joy inside of you. It is literally imputed into you, um, and you just need to find a way to harness that best part of yourself and allow that to shine. If you walk around knowing that that's true, that fundamentally changes the way you walk around this world, and this fundamentally changes the way you interact with others. And so, and that will eventually fundamentally change the way that you act, the actions that you take in those relationships, which relationships you choose to go into and which relationships you don't. And so, John, can I just ask no, you a yeah. question? Um, this is uh, fascinating. And, and, and it's, uh, uh, you know, many times my, my clients would say to me, oh, Lara, your wisdom, I wish I could bottle you. Uh, I feel the same when I listen to you, uh, <laughs> sincerely. Um, how old were you when you actually made this, um, uh, had this amazing insight that people could be more uh, confident in their own worth, their actions, their decisions, their right. relationships would be so much better. Right. Let's see. That was, it was five and a half years ago now. So I must have been 19 years old, 20 years old. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, uh, any insight and I'm sorry I interrupted. And no, it's fine. Tell us more about, uh, uh, how it came about and what happened next, but any insight into what created, uh, that much wisdom into such a young person? Um, you know, I think I, I'm not sure I would credit myself with, with a bunch of wisdom necessarily. Um, I think 
for me, wisdom is a mixture of, of experience and reflection. Um, a lot of people like to oversimplify wisdom and say, if I have more experience than you, then I have more wisdom than you. Um, and that's something I run into a lot as a young person. I have people who are older than me that you know, don't think I have any wisdom be- just because they have more experience than me. And, I, and I'm not discounting experience. Life experience is a, is a huge, huge factor with wisdom. But I think just as big of a factor is reflection. Um, if you experience something but you never reflect on it, I'm not sure you've ever really taken the time to learn from it. Um, to me, wisdom comes from experiencing something and then taking the time to reflect on it and say, what could I learn from that? And for me, that, that's where I gain wisdom. That's where I learn things. Um, whether it's an experience like for me reading my Bible every morning, I'll read that, I'll reflect on that, and that is a source of wisdom for me. Or whether it's, you know, my wife and I built a, a desk and bookshelves that I'm sitting at right now. We built that this weekend. And through doing that activity, through that experience, afterwards I reflected on it. And I was, I was able to gain wisdom and I was able to learn about myself. And I'm not sure when exactly I discovered that process. Um, I think it was obviously uh, a big a big factor in that was, you know, my parents and, and a lot of the mentors and teachers and leaders that I had growing up um, and their influence on me. But uh, yeah, just, just a few years ago, I discovered that process of, of experience plus reflection equals wisdom. Um, and that's been, that's been huge for me. And, and, you know, it's, uh, again, I mean, I, uh, I hope that I don't overwhelm my listeners by saying uh, too many times how impressed I am with your thinking, with your depth, and with uh, your insights. But, you know, if you read a book on uh, decision-making written by someone who actually won a Nobel Prize and changed the world because they created a whole new different discipline that's helping economies, um, you know, the element of reflection reflection and having the feedback it's actually at the basis of of growth and uh, and learning any new skills and and it's one of the things that it is very unfortunate but we live in such a fast paced world that we often uh, don't do i mean we we dismiss the importance of reflection so that's fascinating that you learn through your own experience to to do that, and you do that uh, uh, regularly. So tell us more after the, I, I'm still extremely interested in how that video came about, because right. it's your original material, and it's absolutely amazing content. Well, thank you. So, so, so we left off with, I had this idea that if, if students could understand their worth, then that could change the way that they interact with the world. And so I went home and I, I sat down and I, I opened up my notebook and I just sort of, I said a prayer and I said, you know, what, what can I say to these, to these students to make them understand? And within 15 minutes I had written two pieces and I had never really written anything like this before. I guess you would call it now spoken word poetry, even, those two don't, even though those two poems don't necessarily rhyme. I wrote one for the guys and one for the girls and they were called Who You Are Guys and Who You Are Girls. That's what I called them at the time. Then camp came a couple weeks later, and I got up uh, on the evening we were talking, we we're going to be talking about purity, and I spoke those two pieces. Uh, no music, no nothing, just me with a piece of paper on stage. And since then, in the years that have passed, uh, I've gone back to camp again and worked more summers. I've done many talks, I've done many, you know, spoken word things and stuff like that. And so I, um, I went, and, uh, 
sorry, since then, I've, I've done many talks, but no other talk has had a bigger impact uh, than that one. More students have come back and asked me to read it again than any other thing I've ever done. And so um, after I graduated college in 2013, I thought it would kind of be my last summer as a camp counselor because I was going to go off and be a real adult. So I thought after camp ended, I thought, you know what, I would love to somehow say thank you to these campers for everything they've done for me over the years. And so I got together with two of my friends and I said, I'd like to make a video of this because they love these pieces and that really has had an impact on them. So we got together and we made two videos. We made Who You Are, we called it Who You Are, a message to all women, and Who You Are, a message to all men. And our only intention with them was to upload them to YouTube because that was the easiest thing to do and send them to the campers. And it was a gift to them, and that was it. We weren't trying to start a YouTube channel. I wasn't trying to, you know, start anything at all. I just wanted to create two videos and say thank you to them. But then they sent it to their – those campers sent it to their friends who sent it to their friends who sent it to their friends. And then all of a sudden it has, you know, combined the two videos have, you know, nearly 7 million views, I think. That's so, impressive. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy. We stumbled into this little – I stumbled into this little YouTube thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the word stumbled, I think, reflects some of your modesty because uh, it is indeed very powerful. And as I said, there are um, obvious uh, references to um, to characters in the Bible, to Jesus Christ, and even to someone like me who to whom some of the names are unknown. I mean, um, mm -hmm. the the women's name were unknown, not totally. Um, it was so powerful that uh, I have to confess, I, I listen to your YouTube every morning since oh. uh, last uh, Monday. And I have sent it to a number of uh, my clients who are very accomplished professionals, very senior. They, by all accounts, uh, they have uh, got it all uh, because that's how it looks from the outside but I happen to know that they struggle uh, on a daily basis with their uh, sense of who they are and what's their worth with a fear of failure and right. I'd love to talk more about some of your other videos a number of uh, YouTube videos for um, the community at large where he spends a lot of time helping people uh, make better decisions, at least uh, from my perspective, that's exactly the work you do, uh, John. So we're talking just before the break about the first video you created, who uh, you are, and then how that became uh, viral. So what happened next? So we make this video, and it and it sort of uh, it sort of goes a little crazy. And at that point, you know, you always you always hear about videos going viral and kind of, you know, getting popular on the internet, but you never think it's going to happen to you. I don't think anyone ever plans on their video going viral, you know, but then it sort of did. Um, and so after that happened, my friends who filmed the first video with me, they, they called me up and they said, Hey, do you want to keep making videos? People seem to really like these. And I said, yeah, I had written a few more spoken word pieces at that time. And, you know, I had a few more things I'd like to say. So I said, yeah, let's do it. And then we, we sort of, we started this YouTube channel um, and we made a commitment to upload one video a week. Every Friday we uploaded a video um, and we just kind of went from there and took off from there. Um, for, for about a year, uh, we were consistent with that one Friday video um, and then, and there was about five of us on the team and 
that was in uh, that was like 2013 to 2014, and then in the last two years, um, because life happens and people get you know real jobs and people graduate college and people move on, um, a lot of the team members have had to sort of take a step back, and then that has caused me to take a step forward. And now uh, in the middle of this interview, I'm in the middle of doing um, a February challenge where I'm uploading a new video every single day to the channel, and the channel is run pretty much solely by me, uh, but I'm still hoping to create, you know, great, engaging, entertaining, um, and enlightening content every day. And I have certainly been following it because now I'm really interested to see what you come up uh, with on a daily basis. It must <laughs> be quite a task. Yeah, it, you know, it's, um, it is, it, it's sometimes it's a huge headache because you think, oh gosh, I got to create a video today. What am I going to do? But at the same time, it's, it's kind of a blessing in disguise because you get up and you say, well, I got to create a video today. What story can I tell about my life today without being fake or without making something up, you know, and with also still living my life and getting the things done I need to get done. It sort of encourages you to seek out adventure or like I was talking about, we made, my wife and I, we made a video about building this desk and shelves, you know, um, and so it sort of, it makes you like we were talking about before with wisdom, it makes you reflect on your life and say, well, what's interesting about today and what lessons can I draw out of it and how can what I'm doing today possibly help someone else if they were to watch me do it? Yeah. You know, it's not, it's not all about just like having people watch me live my life. I'm not trying to live the Truman Show or anything like that. So one of the things that you do, and, and maybe uh, you can help me and the listeners understand how do you separate them, because mm. you, you, uh, there are a number of categories that your work uh, gets separated into. So you have some sermons, you have spoken word episodes, then there is the anima series. So how are they different from one another? How do they relate to one another? Right. So the anima series was what we called the channel the, the entire YouTube channel when we first started it. And the sort of the goal of the Anima series was to give artists a global platform to put their work on. Um, and the, the goal for us was to be Christian artists because I'm a huge believer that art and creativity, it is the starting point for change in, in society. My belief is whoever tells the best story shapes the culture. If you look at history, since the beginning of time, culture has mimicked the art that is being created. Culture mimics the music. Culture mimics the movies. Culture mimics the today video games and things on the internet. Culture mimics art. So if you're creating the best art, then you are shaping the culture. Um, and we can talk more about that. But that was the original intent, was to, to get Christian artists together who are creating great content and creating great art in hopes that we could use that to shape our culture. And as time has sort of gone on, um, I've realized that sort of my calling in this or sort of what I think actually is a better niche for me is to show my art and to help inspire other people to create their own. Rather than producing other people's art, uh, I found that I, am, I get more out of creating and sharing my own art in the hopes of inspiring people to create their own. So actually only uh, probably about three months ago now, I changed the name of the channel uh, from the Anima series to just John Jorgensen because it was no longer a series of people. I had noticed, you know, for the last four or five months, it had just been me. So I figured, okay, it's time for me to just change the name of the channel. So John Jorgensen is now the name of the channel, 
that was once the Anima series. And then as far as the different uh, things that you can find on the channel, uh, you can find many different things. I have, like you said, sermons. I have spoken word poetry. Spoken word poetry is the main way that people discover me. It's sort of the main thing that I do. Um, but then I also do a series called A Day in the Word, where every Wednesday I, uh, I study a chapter of the Bible and I create a video about it as sort of a, a Bible study curriculum for people. Um, I do, like right now, I said I'm doing daily vlogging, a video log of many different things, whether it's like I was talking about building a desk or whether it's, you know, going and traveling somewhere or whatever it might be. That's sort of a... So for me, the goal is to create content that is diverse to show the world the Christian life, you know, because there's a lot of, a lot of content out there for Christians that is strictly just, for lack of a better term, so churchy. It's all very churchy. And there's nothing wrong with, you know, content that is, that is only solely focused on the Bible. And that's great. But for me, I'm not a theologian. I didn't go to school to learn about the Bible. I'm not a pastor. So for me, what I'm passionate about is showing people the entire Christian life. But a big part of that is also finding ways to worship and glorify God in your day-to-day -day life. So that's what vlogging is for me. And then another big part of that is finding a way to glorify God through the things you create. And that's the spoken word poetry part of it for me. So they all are these separate sort of you know, genres of video that I do, but they all have the same goal to, for me, glorify God and then hopefully to inspire others, whether they're Christians or whether they're not. And, and this is where I come in, because I am Christian, but I don't, uh, I'm not necessarily religious. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I haven't uh, read the Bible, but just listening to you reading through, it's almost like reading Shakespeare. Like, it's oh, yeah. so difficult. How did you come to, uh, to get the content? Like, I remember one of the things that I listened to, uh, and I think was... Um, um, about uh, David and the way you translated it, it made so much sense. It was such a beautiful story. Um, how did you come to see that story? Because the, the writing, it's quite difficult. Yeah, well, like I, I love um, the, the sort of, you know, metaphor, or the sort of analogy you used of it. It's like Shakespeare because it is like Shakespeare in that it can be difficult to get into because the language can sometimes sort of be fluffy. There's a lot of historical references in there with things that we don't necessarily say anymore. And my background is in acting. So I know how to look at a text, specifically Shakespeare, and how to break it down and get the meaning out of it. Because behind all of the fluffy language in Shakespeare, there is beautiful, beautiful stories being told. And there are, there are human emotions being tapped into. And the same thing is happening in the Bible. Um, but the problem is most people, they, they hear Shakespeare or they hear the Bible, and because it takes a little bit of time to get into that mode, they often are afraid, so they just step back and they'd rather watch you know, TLC or whatever it might be. But for me, if, if you take the time to actually sit down and study it, then you can finally read it. The Bible is not something for most people that can just simply be read. It is something that has to be studied. And, and it, for me, it's the same thing as Shakespeare. If you take that time, you're going to discover some of the best storytelling 
and some of the best wisdom and some of the best lessons that you're likely to find if you take the time to do it. And you obviously um, have the, the ability to read. Um, you know, we're talking about wisdom earlier, the same way experience doesn't equal wisdom. Uh, the same way studying doesn't necessarily equal the insights that um, uh, you get, right? right so right, you obviously absolutely. have the ability to make those connections. Um, tell me, what is the reaction of the people who watch your videos? Because I've been looking and, of course, you have a lot of followers and mm -hmm. and uh, the very young people I, I hear or I read their feedback. What do you see uh, to be the impact of the work you do? The feedback is, you know, it's one of two things. It's either, it's either overwhelmingly positive or it's very, very split. And you might be surprised to hear that I actually prefer when the feedback is very, very split. If you look at the videos with the most views on, on my channel, you know, the who you are, a message to all women and a message to all men, um, well, videos like what are you afraid of or the wall or a godless generation, those videos, they have a, a very split reaction. There's a lot of positive comments in the comment section, but there's a lot of negative comments in the comment section. And for me, I love that because if you are, if you're pleasing, and this is true for art, this is true for business, this is true all over. If you're pleasing everybody, then you're probably not making very good art. Because for me, one of the big reasons that we make art, it is to challenge the status quo and challenge convention. So if everyone's accepting what you're doing and they're loving it, then you're not challenging anybody. You're not, and you're not helping anybody to grow. You're not helping society move forward. So, and not that I'm saying when I create a video, I'm seeking to create controversy. I'm not trying to do that. But when I create a video, I'm hoping to in some way introduce a new idea. For some people, that might be an extremely countercultural or disturbing thought. You know, for some people, the thought of beauty and joy and kindness and, and humor all being interwoven inside each and every one of us, that's a disturbing idea. You know what I mean? Because they've experienced people who aren't like that, so they think, oh, what this guy's saying can't be true. And that's okay because I. I invite discussion, I invite debate on my channel, as long as everyone still is civil. You know, I'm very much like, if you're going to come into my living room, I'm fine if you want to debate and argue with each other, but you're going to act civil while you're in my house. And if not, I'm going to kick you out. So there, there have been videos that have been more controversial. And for me, that's something that I love and that's something that I, that I thrive on. So tell me more about that, because I'm actually quite interested. Uh, you, you mentioned the ones that I happen to love the most, or they stuck with me, and I watch one more than once. And it, it's interesting because, again, as a non-religious person, I'm thinking, what can be controversial about this? So tell me more. Which ones are the ones that have caused more controversy, and why? What's been the feedback? You know, it's interesting. I think, Laura, you would actually have to ask the people who have found it controversial. Because for me, um, if I was, you know, for me, in, as the creator of it, if I thought it was going to be super controversial, I might never have found the courage to put it out there in the first place. Um, but for me, this is how I see the world. Uh, you know, I see the world as a place where God has put beauty 
and and joy and love inside of everyone. I see the world as a place where where God breathes hope into hopeless situations. I see the world as a place where the church and schools and a lot of a lot of the establishment is is mistreating the youth. That's how I see the world. And I think perhaps maybe the the controversy comes in from people who don't see the world the same way I do. You know, it, I think maybe it's the same reason that controversy comes in with with politics often because Republicans in America see the world one way and Democrats see the world another way and then there's conflict when they start talking about how they see the world. Um, and I'm not trying to compare what I do to politics at all because I'm not trying to run for anything. Um, but when you when you put yourself out there with with a specific point of view and you take a stand for something, you are likely going to find people who agree with you and you are more likely to find people who disagree with you and who want to tear you down. And some people, they do that because they disagree. Other people do it because they're afraid, maybe, of what you're saying. And they're thinking, well, that can't be true about me. Or, oh, you're not supposed to say that about the church or whatever it might be. And so their response to their fear is to push back against you. Um, I think everyone probably has their different reasons for their negative reactions. Um, yeah, but I would, I would probably say you'd have to ask them uh, more than you'd ask me because if I knew it was going to be controversial um, and if I knew I had to, would have to read some of the comments I've read, I probably never would have found the courage to put the videos up in the first place. Fascinating. How do you cope with those uh, criticisms? I have to tell you, on Friday, I was, um, uh, you know, the, my business is a bit slow. So I did more direct marketing, email marketing that I ever had to do because I didn't have to do it. And after the fourth email, I get this email from this lady, don't ever send me um, marketing material. And it kind of, it took me back. Like it took uh -huh. me another half an hour to actually get back the courage and do it again. Um, you know, she had a very strong reaction. She may have had a bad day, full stop. But how do you deal with comments, uh, knowing that the work you've created comes from a good place and you want to help and all mm -hmm. the rest of it? Yeah, well, at first I had, to, I had to take a couple months where I stopped reading comments altogether because, you know, it, it hurts to read some of those comments. So my wife helped me to say, you need to stop reading these. So I took like three months. And I said, I'm done reading them. But then, um, since then, I've learned to examine the source. You know, I've learned to ask myself, who is this person? And what are they trying to accomplish by this? Are they trying to help me and help this project get better? Is this meaning, is this constructive criticism? And if it isn't, then that's not something I'm going to let into my heart whatsoever. If someone is just trying to tear me down or if someone is just trying to lift themselves up or make themselves feel better. That's not something I'm even going to let into my heart. I can read it and I can say, there is absolutely no validity to this statement. See ya. I'm not letting that into my heart. But if it's something they're, they're giving me feedback and they're trying to help me or trying to help the channel, that's constructive. That's something I'm willing to engage in a conversation with. So I would say examining the source is is huge. And uh, it sounds like your wife plays a very, very important part in, uh, yep. in this entire... Um, t tell us more about that, because yeah. it's, uh, it's amazing uh, to observe uh, two people so united and going in the same direction. Uh, I mean, she is the entire... She's not just like the 
you know, the good woman behind the great woman behind the good man. She is the entire thing. She is, um, she is the beginning and the end of it for me. She is my support. She is my help. She is my guidance. She is my wisdom. She is my sounding board. You know, she is everything. And I, I literally could not do anything that I do without Erin. She's, um, yeah, she's, she's everything for me. And, and I, I don't know how people do, um, do work without a partner of some kind. It doesn't have to be a spouse, but um, for me, I need someone uh, to just be able to talk to sometimes. I need someone to push me. I need someone to comfort me, and she, she does that perfectly, and I, I pray every day that I could do the same for her. Very nice for you to say. I, I, I hope she hears all that, and I hope she feels it, because as a viewer, I can see how important her role is. I, I was just thinking if... Uh, if I had any way of knowing that the younger generation um, resembles John in the way he thinks and he asks, asks questions and uh, encourages other people to ask questions, I, um, I would probably sleep very well at night. So <laughs> people who know you, John, are very lucky to have you around them. Um, I do want to know what are some of your favorite uh, videos and how they came about. So I'll let you do that. You know, it's it's so hard because it's uh, you know, for a lot of the videos, you uh, you work really hard on them. So it's almost it's almost like saying you know, choose your favorites of your of your children, of your for me almost two hundred children. Um, I mean, my favorite video to to make uh, as far as spoken word goes, we have a video called uh, Seven Days a Creation Story, and it's basically a retelling of Genesis chapter one or one through three with, through spoken word. Um, and it's a, it's a video, and we show it through a dance that my wife does. And so we, we spent you know, an entire day shooting that video, but I got to spend the entire day creating something with her. And to be able to collaborate with her in that way and to showcase her talent for dance, was, uh, that was a real privilege. And so that video has a very, very special place in my heart. Beyond that, I love uh, a godless generation is is probably the the message or one of the messages that I'm most passionate about on the channel. It is it is a piece for those who who haven't listened to it. It is a piece about the younger generation's relationship with the church today and how the church and I think it's even beyond the church like I was saying earlier schools uh, really just the establishment or the status quo in general I think spends a lot of time blaming the younger generation, the millennial generation, or the post-millennials for all the problems of the world, uh, when what we need to be doing as the older generation is we need to be coming alongside young people. I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, in, uh, in the work that I do, I come across uh, or I work with organizations, and uh, the, one of the things that keep coming up is how do we deal with the millennials? How do they have different values? They have different this, this is different. And it always surprises me that we, we um, you know, as you said, as the adults or people who've had more experience, uh, it always surprises me that we look for the differences what, whereas, in fact, we would benefit from uh, looking at the similarities and finding things that we have in common and with the wisdom that we have, what is it that we can do more? You know, why would we expect someone who's half our age to adapt 
to a world and an experience that we've acquired when we, the ones who are twice their age, can't do it. it, it it's right. always fascinating. So again, you see, you and I, we come from different angles, but we're so similar in, um, in, the point, in our points of view. I got this generation. Um, it was it was more about encouraging uh, the older generation to begin to listen first. Listen to the younger generation. Begin to treat them as people rather than as kids, um, and to begin to treat them as the the solution rather than the problem. Because there's nothing we can do to stop the younger generation from one day becoming the older generation. They are going to inherit this world, they're going to inherit society, they're going to inherit every sector, uh, whether it be business, whether it be schooling, whether it be the church. So the only, I think the only chance we have of continuing to make our world a better place is to come alongside them and guide them and help them and walk with them rather than blame them. And you do an amazing job. I mean, again, uh, have I mentioned how talented I think you are, John? <laughs> Uh, Maybe once or twice. <laughs> I, you do an amazing job in how you put your craft, your words to, to say that. I found that, again, extremely refreshing because, um, you know, because I don't uh, follow or uh, religion, I, uh, um, I probably think more in the way that you are talking than uh, praising uh, establishments uh, and not recognizing their, their mistakes, right? Mm -hmm. So the way you approach it and the way you, you uh, ask the church to take the responsibility for their own mistakes and how they have created a gap between um, uh, the church as an institution and the young generation is probably more um, akin to how uh, less religious people like myself see it because we've all been experienced what's been happening in the world about the church and you know the fact that so many people of the young generation feel lost and like you say they have to they turn they don't have to of course but they feel so lost they turn to drugs or or alcohol or anything else. So um, very impressed with um, how you approach the subject and with your courage uh, to, to say those things. Have you ever had, uh, uh, have there been repercussions from, from church um, members or church members, people in, in professional roles, you know, uh, ministers or who have reacted negatively to your comments? Um, I'm sure. But, but I, I think anyone, anyone who actually takes the time to, to really listen and to, to hear my heart on the message, it's, I'm, what I'm, do, I'm not blaming the, the church either for the problems. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not blaming anyone for the problems. In fact, I, I have never, I've never seen a problem get solved because of blaming. I am, I am so much more about, well, let's, let's take the situation we have and let's find a solution. And when people take the time and they, they listen to that to say, oh, he's not blaming young people, but he's also not blaming the church for sure. all the problems. He's saying that both sides can do a better job at communicating to each other and both sides can do a better job at seeking a solution. When people take the time and they hear that message, um, I think they, they're more willing to accept it. But of course, there's always going to be people who, who just take it at face value or who misinterpret it or... Here it is one thing when it's really another. And that's not something I can control. The only thing I can control as an artist is to notice something in the world, 
to make something based off of what I notice, and then to share that with people. And for those who have ears to hear, they're going to hear it. And those who don't, it's not for them anyway. And, and you talk about uh, the artist, and uh, I, I just mentioned briefly that uh, you are an actor, so there is a way in which you have to make money, right, and provide uh, <laughs> for your family. So how, how do you do that, John? Well, it's sort of a mix of things, honestly, uh, right now. Uh, in the past, it has been, you know, as an actor, I, I worked uh, for a couple years in New York City, uh, on Broadway doing a show. I did Mamma Mia there for almost two years. Um, but then I've also, in the past, I've worked as a waiter, um, worked as an Uber driver. I've worked as a speaker. You know, I've had months where I can support my family strictly through traveling and doing speaking engagements. Um, you know, so it's it's really, for myself, it's right now in, in my young age, it's I'm working towards... Um, hopefully becoming an artist full-time, meaning being a writer, a YouTuber, and a speaker full-time um, as, my, as my job and for my income. And then that way it frees me up to do acting when I want, you know, when, uh, when, there's, a, when there's a project I'm passionate about and I'm not necessarily dependent on that, uh, on acting in order to, uh, in order to feed my family because that can uh, at times not be not be the easiest field to, to make a consistent living at. And uh, I know that you, I'm looking at the time, and time is flying here. So uh -huh. um, tell us a bit more about your experience with vlogging, because I've heard a lot of people lately trying to, um, uh, to get into that. And what would be some of the advice that you would uh, share with people to help them um, be successful because I think it's a huge task if taken on to do it daily but if, if it's not done daily what have you learned from it yeah absolutely you know it's it's that that is one of the more difficult questions for me to answer because I still you know I'm I'm gonna right after we're done here I'm gonna set live my 54th vlog that I've done and I still very much feel like I'm in the beginning baby stages I still very much feel that I'm learning what my style is of vlogging, if that makes sense. Uh, but a few things I've learned along the way is that authenticity trumps all. Um, you know, being, and that goes from the quality of the videos that I create. You can watch vlogs online and videos that have far better video and sound quality and all of that stuff. But for me, I want to be authentic with these are my skills, this is the type of video style that I can create. And then also, the, so it's from the video style and also to, to what you say and what you do on that vlog. Um, I could try and do things and create things that would make my life seem more interesting, but that wouldn't be authentic to who I am. Um, and a huge lesson I've learned from vlogging and from watching vlogs is that each individual human being, we are inherently interesting and we inherently have so much to offer. Um, what the reason that oftentimes we think that we're boring is because we're trying to be interesting rather than just being ourselves, being how God made us. And so I'm learning more and more to be authentic um, with vlogging and with every video of speaking in my own voice, um, you know, whatever that might be. And, and people will find that interesting. People will be drawn to that. And that works for a business leader. That works for a pastor. That works for an artist. That works for everyone. Being Authenticity trumps all. Authenticity is, in, in my experience, is the road to success.
being authentic. People can sniff out something that is inauthentic in, in a second. But authenticity is, is the way to go. Always yeah. choose that road. And, and I, I can certainly attest to that as, uh, as watching your videos because sometimes uh, you just uh, are in front of the camera and you write something down or you share some information or you're going somewhere. And uh, it's still so fascinating because it's, it's interesting to me uh, to observe knowing how reflective you are, to observe how you uh, interpret uh, what is happening um, uh, around you you know i i loved your trip to new york and you saying the the vlogging caused you to go places where you didn't go before um so guess what we only have like two minutes oh. till the close so if you had some final words for the people uh listening that that is consistent uh, with your message what what would those be i would say that you know you don't have to be an artist to create. Um, that's, that's sort of my main, one of my main messages in that we are all inherently creative beings, I believe. And creative, I don't mean writing or painting or anything like that. I mean taking an idea and bringing it into the world. Um, and I believe that, that when you create, whether it be with business or whatever it is, um, you're entering into a process that will give you an experience. Whether it's, you know, like I've been talking about, creating shelves or whatever it is. You enter into an experience and you have an experience. And from that experience, you can learn something. I learn something from every video I make, from every blog post I post. Everything I do, I learn something. And when you, when you have an experience and you reflect on it, like we've been talking about, you gain wisdom. And that, that wisdom is what's going to help you make better decisions. So I actually think the fastest way to make better decisions, like we talk about, like you talk about on this show is actually to start creating more things. Yeah. And I have to thank you, John, because, um, you know, I, I still won't know how to read the Bible just because I talk to you. But I can tell you that you have given me an insight into people. I never ask my clients what religion uh, they have and whether or not they're religious. But I can tell you that now I have a different angle to, to access them and something that just by talking to you, um, uh, I know a lot more uh, about because I actually find a lot of commonalities. So there's a lot of stories that now I can leverage and I can create different bridges between myself and people who do follow, uh, who are devout Christians like yourself and uh, have given their lives to Jesus as you have. Uh, so I really want to thank you. You've totally opened my eyes and my horizon to a different way of um, uh, arriving to the same destination. So I had a fabulous time. I hope you did too. Abso oh, absolutely. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. It's, it's been a pleasure. And thank you again, Laura, for the work you do. It's, it's my pleasure. I think we both have the passion for um, supporting people think uh, more, uh, think better, and, and making better decisions. So I wish everyone out there uh, a wonderful week. Uh, thank you for joining us today. And I'll be back uh, next Monday at 9 a.m. with another fantastic guest. Have a great week, John, and thank you for everything. You as well. Thank you, Laura. Thank you, everybody. Thank you.
We hope you've enjoyed this week's edition of Because There's More. Join Laura Ellis again next Monday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Eastern Time, and 2 p.m. GMT on the Voice America Business Channel. Be sure to tune in, because there's more.